0: You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com.
1: Good morning.
0: morning. I just want to start out by saying I just love how God always works everything together without our, our planning it. That new song that Gianna chose this morning is the heart and soul. Of what I'm going to preach this morning. And Josh, you led right into the sermon as well, talking about our offering being a worship because worship is more than just singing on Sunday morning. Worship is more than singing along with tunes in our car, some Christian tunes. It's a lifestyle of worship, and that's what I want to talk about this morning: is Psalm 63. Engaging in a lifestyle of worship. So it's no mistake that the Psalms are in the middle of our Bible. The Psalms are pure, heartfelt worship to God. And that's why they're in the middle, because God created us to worship him. God made us to praise him. That's the whole reason we're here, is to worship him and bring glory to his name. So the Psalms is in the middle of our Bible. The title in Hebrew means praises or book of praises, and in Greek, it alludes to instrumental accompaniment. Our English title for this book, Psalms, comes from the Greek word, samos. This is the worship book of the temple. The word hallelujah, Carson talked about this a couple weeks ago, hallelujah. It's one of the prime words that we hear In the Psalms, it means praise the Lord. Every time we say hallelujah, we're saying praise the Lord. God created us to praise him. Psalm 150 verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Do you all have breath this morning? We're being commanded to praise him, right? We just had an awesome time of praise and worship, didn't we? The presence of God was so real during that time. God tells us in Psalm 33:1 1 through 3, Shout for the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. That's us. Praise befits us because we're his creation. So we should always be praising him. Give thanks to God with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the string with loud shouts. So we can sing and we can worship. But this is just the tip of the iceberg of what it means to have a lifestyle of worshiping God. Psalm 63 takes us even further by showing us how to engage our total being in a lifestyle of worship. John Chrysostom wrote, It was decreed and ordained by the primitive church fathers that no day should pass without the public singing of this psalm. This is how important this psalm was to the early church. He also observed the spirit and soul of the whole book of psalms is contracted into this psalm. This psalm was the embodiment of the whole book of the 150 psalms. In fact, the ancient church had the practice of beginning the singing of the psalms at each Sunday service with Psalm 63, which they called the morning hymn. So I want to do something a little different today and I would like to have us think back to that time of the early church fathers and how they might be starting their service with the singing of this hymn and we're going to hear a portion of it in Hebrew.
1: Elohim Eli Atashacharecha Zama lecha Napshi Kama the <laughs> Eve, He was a blessing to me. He called I'm not feeling it. time
0: you in English. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Because you have been my help. Therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. If you notice, there's no request in this psalm. It's kind of unique, isn't it? A lot of the psalms are the psalmist crying out, Oh God, I'm in this situation. Or, Oh God, where are you? My enemies are overtaking me. I have all these troubles. Where are you? I cry to you day and night. My bones ache. You don't hear any of that in this psalm. This psalm is total praise and worship. He is declaring that God is his strength. Verse 1, O God, you are my God, and early will I seek you. The second God in this first phrase here is Al, the strong one. Josh was talking about the strong one this morning, right? We are weak We cannot hold up our hands in battle, but God can, right? He is our help, he is our strength. David was in the wilderness, he was weak. He was weary, he was thirsty, he was fatigued. He needed Al, the strong one, at this point. I mean, just walking from our car in here, we need Al, the strong one, (laughs) let alone being out in that desert that you saw. It's brown, it's not even as green as our desert. There's not even a few little sprigs sticking up. It's brown. There's nothing there. This is where David was when he he was writing this. He calls out to his God. In Psalm 28, verse 7, it says, The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me. My heart is filled with joy, and I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Why does he burst out in songs of thanksgiving? Because his heart is filled with the presence and the love of God. God is there. David doesn't do this on his own. It's an overflowing. He's declaring that God has helped him. He's declaring that God has been there for him. And out of that overflowing comes, he can't help it. He can't help but praise him. If you're having difficulty praising God, Maybe you haven't been spending time with the one who causes you to praise him. When we spend time with him, we can't help. We can't help but praise him. David has experienced the Lord being his strength in the past, and now he declares it based on his knowledge of God being for him. He says, God, I know you've been there for me. I remember what you did for me. Um, A couple weeks ago when Josh was preaching on Psalm 23, David killed the bear. David killed the lion. You think David's thinking maybe about some of these things? God's always been there for him, no matter what. How many of us have killed a bear and a lion? We can't say that, but we can say, I had a need and a $1,000 check showed up in my mailbox, right? Can say, Rhonda, I couldn't walk and somebody helped me get in the car and get to church, right? Right? God is there for us. We all have our own stories about the Lord being our strength in the past. When we experience trials, temptations, tough situations, just like that song, I just loved it when Jana played that song because it says, even though I'm in the valley, even though I'm in this tough situation, I'm going to raise up and praise the Lord my God because he's there for me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. He is Al, my strong one. He is there for me. David says, early will I seek you. It's a priority. He does it first thing in the morning. Okay, I'm not saying this has to be your devotion time if you're a night person and you do your lengthy devotion, Bible reading and prayer at night. But I am saying, first thing in the morning, focus yourself on God. Focus yourself on who he is. Focus yourself on what he's going to do for you. I set my alarm a half hour to 45 minutes every morning before I'm going to get up. You know why? Because I cannot make it through the day unless I have that time with God. I can't. And I don't know about you, but it helps me to focus on who it is that I serve, who it is that's going to be with me throughout the day no matter what. I don't know what's going to happen in a day. I may have it planned, but things happen. If I focus myself on him, I'm much more likely to be able to make it through in a way that brings glory to him. We always make it through the day. But the question is, do we make it through in a way that brings glory to him? That's a lifestyle of worship. Okay? I can complain. I can complain. I can be sad. I can call up someone, tell them how bad it is. But can I say, but I know God has it. In the end, I know God has it. That starts by making it a priority in the morning. God, you're my God. No matter what happens today, I know you're here. We need to remember this before things start happening, before our day falls apart. And the important thing is just to connect with the vine. If we continue on in verse 1, it says, My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. David uses the imagery of the desert here. Perfect, perfect imagery. I mean, we can all relate to that. We live here so anybody can relate to it. We can, right? Now, I'm from Iowa originally. Um, You know, it's humid there. There's a lot of green. There's a lot of rolling hills and trees and huge trees with lots of greenery. I didn't realize, you know, what the desert was all about. But David uses the imagery of the desert here. It's brown, dry, no color, no life. I mean, if there is life, it's where? Under the rock, snake crawling out or a lizard, and they're brown too. (laughs) So David uses this to help us understand his thirst for God. Okay, this is how thirsty God wants us to be for Him, okay? This thirsty. Keep that in mind as we, as we progress here. So think about a potted plant. Sometimes we're not all like expert gardeners, are we? Sometimes we kind of neglect our plants, and you go up and you look at them and you feel that dirt and it's just dry. there's big cracks in the dirt, and you're like, "Oh, surprises thing's even living anymore, right? You give it some water, and what does it do? Just soaks it up, right? Because it's thirsty. On the other hand, what if you just bought a brand new plant, just had some fresh potting soil, you put it in the pot, and then you water it? What's going to happen to that water? Pretty soon it's just going to sit on the top, isn't it? It's not thirsty anymore. This is not the picture that David wants to give us. This is not how God wants us to come to him. He doesn't want us to be so filled up and watered that we don't need him, that we don't want him, that we don't desire him. He wants to come to him like that dry, cracked, never watered, potted plant. That's the picture he wants us to have when we come to him. That's how thirsty he wants us to be. He wants us to say, God, fill me up. I need the water. I need it. Okay, we have to be in this. This is the position that we have to be in. So the first time I came to Arizona, (laughs) I told you I was from Iowa, so I had no idea about this heat. So my husband and I were motorcycle riders, and so we brought our dirt bikes along. So middle of July, okay, stupid to even bring them, but we did. And we, we were staying up by Metro Center Mall, We thought, we're going to ride out to Falcon Field and go to the Air Museum out there, because my husband loved planes. and So we got all ready. We got our helmets on and got on our bikes, and it was hot. We got out to East Mesa, and we stopped at a gas station. I bought a soda, and I opened it up, and in one gulp, finished the whole thing. I'd never done that in my life. I'd seen it on TV. I said, oh, this is where they must come to film those ads when the people drink the whole can of Coke at once because that's the only way you can do it. But I was thirsty, thirsty. These are the images that we need to keep in mind when we think about coming to the Lord thirsty. The Passion Translation puts it this way. Oh, God of my life, I'm lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. I thirst with the deepest longing to love you more with cravings in my heart that can't be described. Such yearning grips my soul for you, my God. This is the picture of how God wants us to approach him. God has placed desire in our hearts, so desire is not a bad thing. Sometimes we... um, In church, we hear about desire so much that we come to think that desire is a bad thing. Desire isn't a bad thing. The desire we have in us was placed there by God. But he wants us to fulfill it in him. So even good desires that we have can turn into desires that are not satisfying, okay? So... So it's good to have a healthy body, right? It's good to eat healthy. We just had our women's event, and Kelly was uh, sharing on how to eat healthy, how to exercise, how to, you know, keep your temple good for God. But that can become our end-all, can't it? That can be our desire. Our whole desire is to look good, to feel good, and, and it goes beyond, and are we still satisfied? There can be people out there with the most beautiful body, the most healthy body, they can run 20 miles, they never eat a McDonald's Big Mac, and they're still not satisfied. Why is that? It's because the desire that God placed in us is for Him. Okay? What about even, um, let's talk about a successful career. Everybody wants to be successful in what they do, right? Especially if you're a guy, you want to provide for your family. You want to be successful. You want to pay the bills. You want your wife to think, yes, my husband's providing for me. He's got a good job. And when guys get together, they share about their good jobs and how successful they are and how good they provide. And we just talk about how good they provide for us, right? But anyway, you can carry that too to the extreme where all it is is work, 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 work. And does that satisfy? No. So these are all good things, okay? Let alone all the other desires that are sinful things that God tells us not to desire. Don't lust after other people's things. Don't lust after other people's wives. Don't lust after other people's husbands. Don't, you know, those, those are all like sinful desires. But even good desires don't satisfy if we don't root it in our relationship with God. Everything needs to go back to that. All right, verse two. So I looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. So David is engaging his total being. So here we see him. He uses his eyes. He's going to look for God. Right? In in David's time, you had to go to the temple. That's where that's where God's presence was. God dwelt in the ark of the covenant in the holiest of holies. That's where they went. If you remember reading about Moses, the glory of God filled the temple. When Moses was on the mountain with God, the smoke surrounded the mountain and no one wanted to go close because it was God's presence. So David went to the sanctuary looking for God's glory, along with all the other people who went there looking for God's glory. So David wasn't there by himself. He was there in community. So worshiping God alone is good, but Like today, isn't it awesome to come together with other believers and have that corporate worship? There's just something different about it. I can worship at home, but coming and worshiping with God's people together, it's just, there's something about it that's just so wonderful. So in Hebrews 13, 15, and 16, it says, we're told to continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God and not to forget to do good and to share For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. God cares about his people, and he wants us to love them. And this is all part of our worship. Loving the people God has placed in our lives is an act of worship. And Jesus places a high priority on it. I'm going to read from Matthew 25, 34 to 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, come. You who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared from you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? and feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? Or naked, and clothe you, a stranger, and invite you in? When did we see you sick, or in prison, and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly, I say to you, that what you have done unto the least of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did to me. See how important God has, the importance that God places on being in community and serving others and loving others and reaching out. We have many opportunities each and every day, don't we, to do this? But how many times do we get selfish with our time? Oh, I'm not going to run over there because then I won't get this done and I won't get that done. And I'm just going to stay home. Someone else will go. Right? I, I'm not going to uh, go to the store and buy a backpack for OCJ kids because I wanted that new dress, and I can't get that new dress if I buy a backpack this week. So I'm not going to do it. There's, there's a lot of things that we put ahead of serving and worshiping God. I think, I think if we would approach God each day and say, God... What would you have me to do? It's not that we have to do everything. We're not called, I'm not called to provide all of Rhonda's needs when she's had an accident and needs some assistance, but I am called to be a part of that. I can bring one meal. I don't have to bring them all, but God calls me to bring one. Um, I can give someone a ride to church one Sunday, right? I can bring a notebook. I don't have to fill the whole backpack. God will tell you what he wants you to do, but the point is that we love people and put that before ourselves. Amen. Sacrifice. You know, God calls us to sacrifice. I mean, it's the way it is. God is not about our pleasure. He's not about our comfort. He's about bringing glory to his name and serving him and serving his people. Even the gifts that, we, that, that we're given, Why are we given our gifts? We're given our gifts to serve others. If I have the gift of healing, do I come up and lay hands on myself and say, be healed, Terry? I mean, I could, but really it's for, maybe Sydney needs something healed, and I come to Sydney and I say, pray for her, and in the name of Jesus, be healed. That gift is for the body. What about encouragement? Did you notice somebody coming in today and they, just looked a little bit down. Maybe they just need someone to come up and give them a hug and say hi. You don't even have to say anything profound. Just be there for them. That gift of encouragement is not for you. It's for that person. But we have to be out of ourselves to even notice that, right? So I encourage you. Do we look each day for him to speak to us? to show us the way, what to do. That's that's all part of that connecting in the morning, okay? We connect in the morning, then as he moves throughout the day, we're ready. And we're not fighting him as much. We're more apt to, out of our overflow, say, oh, yeah, that's me, let me do it, right? Okay. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. We've kind of talked about this already. David uses his lips to praise God. We use our lips to praise him because he is worth it. He is worth it. No matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, a lifestyle of worship tells us to lift our hands, open our mouth, and praise him. David is grateful in expressing his gratitude to God. He's putting his love and desire for God above everything else. In verse 4, it says, Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. David lifts his hands in worship. We've talked a lot about lifting hands. He talked about Moses lifting his hands in victory. We've lifted our hands as we praised in worship this morning. But it takes a little more effort, doesn't it, to lift our hands. Some mornings we come in and we're not really that... Awake. We're not that excited to be here. We're not into it. We're not paying attention. And it's a sacrifice to lift our hands. Other times we've been with God and we've been spending our time with God that week and we come in and we're all ready and our hands just pop up in the air. It doesn't matter how they get there, okay? whether we have to make a sacrifice to do it or they're just popping up out of the overflow of the time we've been spending with him, he wants us to lift our hands and praise to him. Lift him up. Be engaged in the worship, you know. Wake up in the morning and hop out of bed. You ever wake up and just stand by your bed and say, praise God, I'm glad I'm alive. Lord, thank you for this day. Direct my steps. However you say it. I mean, you may not say it like that, but engage yourself. I think if you engage yourself, you know, don't just stand there. God God wants us to get excited. He wants us to be enthused about being with him. He wants us to desire him with our whole being. So no matter what we're going through, just lift your hands. He's the one, only one worthy of our worship. Verse 5, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. The Passion Translation says, I overflow with praise when I come before you, for the anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. You're a rich banquet of pleasure to my soul. Doesn't that sound like somewhere you want to be? Isn't that something you want? I want that. David is focused on his intimacy and his relationship with God, and he's declaring once again that only God can satisfy the desire that God has placed inside of him. His only desire is to be in the presence of God and to be filled, to overflowing by him, and then out of this filling comes the overflowing of praise. When we have spent time in the presence of Almighty God, we cannot help but praise Him. There's nothing like it. No matter where we are or what we're going through, the presence of God brings joy to our heart, and out of our heart, the praises come. Very familiar Psalm, Psalm 16, verse 11, you will show me the path of your life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The ending of this psalm is just like the ending of our day. So we've gone from the morning where David wakes up, gives his day to the Lord. He goes throughout the day looking for God, looking for God in situations, praising him, lifting his arms to him. Now it says, I remember you on my bed. I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Isn't that what he said in the morning? He's saying it again now because he remembers not only what God's done in the past, but what God's done for him that day. How God's been there for him through every minute of the day. Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind me. Your right hand upholds me. Now David's using his mind to meditate on God on how God has always been there for him. He once again rejoices because he's feeling safe and secure as God is his protector. Early in the morning, David sought God, Al, the strong one, and now he ends his day meditating on how God has been his help. David declares that he will always seek God's presence, for there's where his hope his help, and his protection are. He isn't looking around at his circumstances. He isn't looking around at what's happening. He isn't looking around at the brown desert with no life. But his mind is meditating on God and what God has done for him, how he's always been there, how he's there now, and he always will be. David worships God with his entire being every minute of every day. He starts and ends his day by desiring to be in God's presence. He continually offers praise and worship to God who is worthy. His desire is for the living God, the living water, the only one who can truly satisfy. Remember the woman at the well? Jesus said to her, what are, you, what are you looking for, you know? And she came, and she was broken, right? She was broken. She was empty. She'd been married four times. She was on her fifth husband. She wasn't satisfied, was she? Jesus offered her the living water, didn't he? Because he knew that was the only thing that would satisfy her. He offers us the living water because that's the only thing that can satisfy God created desire, and because he created it, he's the only one who can satisfy it. Your desire, if you continually have desires that are not fully satisfied, you haven't found God who satisfies that desire. There's a reason you're not satisfied. That's how God draws us to him. He has to, he has to pursue us and he puts that desire in us, and that's what causes us to seek him, to want him, to want more than what we have. We can try to fill it with other things, but we'll never be satisfied. As we seek him and engage our entire being in worship, he will satisfy that desire and fill us to overflowing. And out of that overflow will come a lifestyle of worship. Obedience will come from our hearts as we walk out his commandments. Service will come from our hands as we love his people. Thoughts of gratitude will come from our hearts and our minds as we meditate on his goodness and remember all he's done for us. Praise will come from our lips as we express our gratitude to him for who he is and what he has done. In the pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer writes, we pursue God because and only because he has first put an urge within us that spurs us to that pursuit. So even our desire to pursue God comes from him. So he places desire in us, and then he pursues us. No man can come to me, said our Lord, except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And it is this drawing that takes from us every credit for the act of coming. The impulse impulse to pursue God originates with God, but the outworking of that impulse is our following hard after him. All the time we are pursuing him, we are already in his hand. Psalm 63, 8, our last verse, thy right hand upholdeth me. So God desires relationship with us. He pursues us, He desires intimacy with us. He put that desire in us to draw us to Him. Who are we seeking today? What are we seeking today? Where are we going to fulfill that desire that God has placed inside of us? If we go way back to the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve chose to fulfill that desire that God placed in them with something else. They chose to believe the lie of the enemy, that they could be like God, that God was trying to cut them short, and they disobeyed God, and they were cut off from relationship with him. But God didn't want that, did he? In his mercy, and his grace, he provided a way. He provided a plan for us, for people from that day forward to be able to be restored in in right relationship with God again. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that we could have that relationship with him, so that we could pursue him more as he pursued us. If you're here today and you've never answered that call that God's been pursuing you he may have been speaking to you and you really didn't even know what it was or who it was or what was happening but you just felt like something wasn't quite right you you weren't happy you didn't have true joy you're missing something If you don't know Jesus, you're missing the best thing, the best thing in life. If you've never believed that God sent his son to die for us, that by believing that he did that for us, all we have to do is say, Lord, I'm here. I believe that Jesus died for me in my sin, that he died for me. And that because of that, I can be made pure and white as snow, and I can have that relationship. If you've never done that, and you want to do that today, you can. I want to make, make that offer to you today. I, I don't want you to leave without knowing that you can have that. So if, you, if you're that person, and, and you feel like God is speaking to you, you just raise your hand this morning? Just raise your hand and God will see you. God will see that you want to give your life to him. You want to be restored in that relationship. And then for those of us that call ourselves Christians, where are our desires? What are we running after? Are we running hard after God? Are we running hard after a job? Are we running hard after a relationship? Are we running hard after our own personal happiness? Are we running hard after the joy that comes from being in God's presence? Are we running hard after a total lifestyle of worship? I'd just like to have some time this morning and I'd like for anybody that wants to have more in their relationship with God that wants to say God I just want more of you I want to follow hard after you I want to worship you from the minute I wake up till the minute I go to bed I want to be involved in loving your people I want my praise and worship to be an overflow of the time I spent with you. Lord, help me. Help me to redirect my desires.